This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. How you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing good, John. Yourself? Oh, I'm enjoying. I know the, this is still winter, but holy cow, here in Southern California, it's like in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Santa Ana's basically um, said that it's like it's not it's not just um, spring already. It's um, basically summer right now. Yeah, essentially, you know. And everywhere else, there's snow and all other stuff. And I know that a lot of the listeners are in you know colder areas some of you in southern california know exactly what we're talking about but still (laughs) it's winter (laughs) it should be winter it should be winter (laughs) the trees are blossoming outside anyway so what do you got on um for uh subject tonight sir okay well um tonight is about series that i've been reading for a while that i finally wrapped up with its sixth sixth volume and something that you know at first you know i thought the first volume of this I read, I thought, okay, yeah, I'm not not feeling it, but you know, I'll give it a second volume just to see if it actually goes anywhere. And it turns out it actually um it actually did wind up going some in- interesting places. It's like some places I actually, actually kind of like, even if like you know in a fairly conventional manner. But um, but um, what kept me kept me going on it was just the was was in how the story was being told. I'm talking about um, mind management by Matt Kint. Um. It's now the, the the core story of this is basically the, um, about the kind of organization that goes um, that starts off with the best of intentions and then kind of goes wrong. Um, Garth Ennis did a um, did a whole got a whole series out of this with um, the boys, and um, he wound up seventy with some seventy issues and um, several miniseries about um, like. It's like about the dangers of government excess, combined with a lot of scatological humor that I really didn't care for. Um, Kent, on the other hand, has done six volumes of six issues each, plus a couple of short stories from Dark Horse Presents. Um, I, it's like overall, I did like the series, but the thing about thing about it is, is that it's not really a uh, a a new take on the story so much as it is like. Of the story of a um, government organization going bad, but then it is about you know, like there's no there's not so much innovation in the actual plotting of the story than it is in the execution, because um, there's a review of it I I read of the uh, I can't remember like the first couple issues that basically kind of described um Kint as um someone who likes to use the whole hog of the uh, comics um format. It's like in his like in his storytelling. I mean like when you in that first volume, I mean, you will get um, it's like not only does um, Kent um, specialize in like it's like in innovative in innovative layouts, but also uh, how he'll um, use the uh, use the margins of the story to um, fill in to tell you about the uh, about other stuff going on. Like when you look at the left hand margins of each sto- each issue, each page of each issue, and you'll see um, like sections from the uh, mind management field guide about telling you how agents are supposed to behave in the field right up to the point where someone basically tells you it's like are you like are you hearing me it's like it's not too late it's like um get yourself out of this it's like it, that that kind of thing like you know like the left hand uh, margin like of the of the series is kind of like the uh, his you know kind of like his his space for just telling you for uh, for breaking the fourth wall or just like conveying additional information that he couldn't fit in, it's like in the main story itself, and um, the bottom margin. Well, that that kind of like um, comes in as well when he, for additional like for additional um, information as well. But he's using um, like you know he'll be using pictures as well. So it's 
So like it's it's a series that it's easy to appreciate the innovation, but as for the story, well, it all starts off with a um, with a writer named Ameru who is who wrote a um, best-selling novel called, um, called Premeditation and has been um, you know stuck with writer's block ever since. But then she uh, gets the uh, in. So it gets the inspiration to write about this, um, like this flight where everyone lost their, um, they lost their memory. It's like a flight, like a flight eight, it's like eight one six. Yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, and um, so she, so she gets, so she goes and follows the, um, like the trails of all these people who lost, lost their memory, and winds up, and it winds up basically leading her to this um person in this um. Chinese in this um, remote Chinese town of of Guangzhou named um, Harry Lime. Lime, it's like it's like I'm um, Henry Lime, not Harry Lime. Jeez, it's like it's um, yeah Henry Lime, yeah Henry Lime, who um, used to work for the organization called Mind Management. Mind Management um, was a uh, was an organization like employed by the U.S. government that basically um, um, employed all these um, a- um, agents who had um, incredible skills that they could they could um, like heal from people could heal from any injury um, punch um, punch um, cause and told them not destruction by punching in the right area um, control control your feelings in any way which is what Hen- Henry's ability was Pre- um, see 15 minutes in the future by controlling by reading the minds of everyone in a five mile radius um, influence minds through um, automatic automatic writing and texts or um, control animals through their, through empathy as well. So, so this is the story that, you know, that eventually like, you know, that, um, that thought they could, um, like, you know, save, save the world or, um, fix every problem. But, um, that, but eventually things, things went bad. And eventually every agent's, um, uh, mind was, um, wiped to a certain extent and then, um, like they were just like um, dispersed back in into the wild. So that's the uh, that's the story that um, Henry um, tells Meru, but it's also the story he's been telling Meru. Because one of the things I did not like at the, about the first volume at all was the fact that it was kind of a closed loop. In the sense that we found out that at the end that oh, turns out Meru's been going after this um, amnesia flight for a good long while, and that you know it's like. And like, and every time she does this, like she le- comes back to the, uh, like to the start of things, and learns nothing. So if it's like a, the first volume is kind of like a, a disappointing closed loop. That, um, well, okay, you know, where are you going to go from here, Kent? So what, what do you got for us? So it's, but then um, he actually does break free of things in the second volume, and we find out that about the larger, um, about the larger threat in the sense that. Even if um, mind management has been disbanded, um, its agents are still out there, purple, purposeless. And there's one um, codenamed the Eraser, who is particularly damaged. Basically, wants to um, fo- reform the organization and um, get to, like and basically give everyone everyone their pur- purpose again. So, um, regardless of the fact that the organization was kind of like had kind of like, you know kind of become rotten to the core at the end, so. Subsequent volumes basically um, showcase the uh, the building of like the building of sides on each each team. You've got um, at first um, you've got um, yeah, got the eraser building her 
building her forces, and you've got um, Henry Lyme and his crew trying to um, find, create an anti-mind management team with Meru, but things go bad when, he finds, when Meru finally finds out that um, Lyme basically been wiping her mind over and over because he's basically using her as kind of a confessional for his, um, for his murder of an enti- the entire um, city of Zanzibar it's like in Africa. And um, then once, see, then eventually um, Meru um, realizes that um, you know, Lime is kind of the lesser of two evils here. The series kind of like um, goes into like a um, fairly conventional, um, like this is like you know good guys versus bad guys. You know, centered arc and stuff. Good guys, you know, they it's like they kind of like start, start getting their getting their groove together. Then things go bad. Like things things start getting better in volume four when. Um, it's like when Meru um, hooks up with, finally hooks up with Lime, and like the good guys have their um, have their team together. Then things go bad in Volume Four when the bad guys you know pull their um, finally um, pull one over on the good guys, and um, then Volume Five like the good guys or well, Meru really. I, I, I'm saying good guys and bad guys, but it's it's all really relative here. And I'm um, so in, in, in then Volume Five like the. The uh, like Meru like finds what she needs in order, in order to defeat the Eraser. It's like, and it's in Volume Six, which is what I want to talk about here. You know, it's like it's all about the final, final confrontation and the you know, the uh, like, like things coming due for the creator for um people behind the uh, the organization. It's the thing about this series is that it's. It's basically a fairly conventional story of a government organization going rogue, and um, you know, or then the survivors being left to pick up the pieces, and um, see, and uh, try try and make things right on their their own terms. It's got a, it's got a fairly conventional arc as well. But what um, sets it apart is is Kint's um, ex- willingness to experiment with the uh, with the form, like from you know from simply um. You know, just like telling the story in really unconventional, unconventional terms, um, like laying out, um, it's like laying out panels on in a way that you know tells like three different stories at once. It has um, a flower blooming. It's like on on a page to symbolize a relationship. It's like there's a lot of um, really, really innovative and clever um, storytelling going on like over the course, like over the course of the series, that um, does a really does a lot to camouflage the fact that the story itself, it's like is fairly straightforward. And to be honest, if you are telling a fairly straightforward story, the execution does count for a lot, in my opinion. So, really, um, like, the, this experimentation, more than welcome here. And um, But then you get to the final volume, and rather than uh, be the, uh, you know, the, the crazy, like, you know, this is, like, um, you know, show us more, more experimentation than we have in previous volumes... Um, it's not the, uh, like the, the biggest, you know, craziest, um, end of all. It's like, it's, it, it, it um, kind of like, you know, flows just as you'd expect. I mean, you've got a Meru, um, Hen, it's like Henry and the rest of their, rest of their crew, um, like forming, like forming their own team and going to, um, take out the, uh, new mine management headquarters. It's like in, um, it's like in Hong Kong. And um, then, and also, I'm um, forming a, a new mine management at the end, with um, with the uh, left hand margin stuff now being um, really optimistic instead of being um, incredibly creepy and 
and strange. Um, there are some interesting bits in the in the sixth volume that basically um, mostly focus on the um, epilogues to um, the first um, five issues that show, showcase um, Salvador Dali's attempt to make a sequel to Double Indemnity called Triple Indemnity that um, that eventually feed into the main text text as well. It's not the um, like I said, volume six doesn't have like the the uh, kind of crazy experimentation that you'd expect from after being subjected to the first um, six, five volumes of this series. But um, it's still got like enough um, interesting stuff to make it a worthwhile finish. In fact, that being said, though, it's like this um, sixth final volume kind of reminded me mo- more of um, the finale to another um, creator-owned series published by Dark Horse, um, Rex Mundi. Where it was a, um, that, was, that series had a um, lot of great, crazy, um, involving stuff about the... Uh, about the Holy Grail and alternate um, world, it's like an alternate histories as well, that eventually um, kind of culminated in a fairly unsatisfying, you know, people um, like bless each other, each other with magical powers at the end. Uh, my management doesn't quite go that way, but at the same time, it's like it's like, it's yeah, it's, it's um, finale is fairly conventional, but at the same time, it's like it's like this has been a fairly conventional story that um, Kent has been telling all this time. It's like you're st- it still works because uh, um, you're invested in, in the characters and you want to see them. You want to see them succeed. It's like you want um, a happy ending for Meru, um, Henry, and their it's like and their companions. And so that's and that's kind of what we deliver. What's delivered here after a certain after a certain amount of suffering as well. Um, overall, it's like. I did enjoy it, but um, it's like, but I will admit that you know, it's you gotta kind of have like a certain amount of patience in order to work through a lot of the unconventional stuff that Kent throws at you. If it's the person who wants to, um, who basically looks at a lot of comics and goes, you know, it's like, hey, it's like, you know, it's like I want something that you know tells me like tells me a story in a new, interesting way, then um, then my management will will satisfy you, maybe um. It's like if you're looking for relentless experimentation, then maybe you will feel a little, little bit let down by the final volume. But definitely, the first first five volumes will probably offer enough to, um, like, for you to be satisfied throughout. Throughout, and also it's worth noting that um, these six volumes all issued in hardcover for twenty bucks, which, you know, for six issues, you know, is still actually a pretty decent um, rate um, these days. And it's also worth noting that they probably had to offer them in hardcover because of the, um, like I said, the left-hand margin stuff. It's like as well, if, dark, if they had um, put, if they had done this in a standard paperback binding, um, you probably um, have cracked open the uh, the paperback binding because of how Dark Horse um, handles things um, because of all the uh, in order to try and read this stuff. But um, overall, it's like, yeah, it's like it's. Don't don't be um, put off by the fact that these are all six volumes in hardcover. It's like it's still good. It's still a good value for your money. It's like, I guess um, ultimately for me, my management feels like the good kind of different in comics. Um, definitely kind of definitely strange, weird, maybe not quite as um, avant garde as it as it likes to think it is, but still, um, but still a good example of how to tell a, a fairly um, conventional, straightforward story in an interesting way. John, um, any particular thoughts on your end about all this? Oh, not really, but you did pique my curiosity, and so I'll probably go out and check it out. 
Yeah, no plans if Dark Horse is going to um, reprint this in a um, omnibus format. But just looking at the uh, six volumes mm-hmm. right here, it would seem um, somewhat infeasible. So, so these um, six these uh, six hardcover volumes may be the um, ideal form format for this series. Mm, cool. So, do you know what you're going to be talking about next week, Deadpool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I probably should have done uh, Deadpool this week, but I just didn't um, time it right. But yeah, ex- but yeah, expect Deadpool next. All right. Well, we'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right. Later. Bye.